Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend, co-host Christian Uvius, but we are once again joined by some spectacular guests whom I am very excited to introduce here. Christian, we have your pals from college, Northwestern, really racking up uh, some appearances here on the, on the Cinema Drip Podcast with the return of Emily Baker. And our our fan who has sent us an email and now has found himself on the show, Braxton, Cody, Emily, and Braxton. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's good to be back. And it's good to see y'all in video form. Live in the Zoom, you're watching the magic happen here. So, Emily, we know a little bit about your bona fides since you were able to be with us on last october's halloween recommendations episode my best to your grandmother who reviewed our show we still thank her for that so braxton would love to know what is your relationship to movies what's got you here on the cinema drip podcast well what has got me here on the on the podcast is uh you know good friend christian who is like hey watch this or listen to this podcast where we talk about tenant because you're an engineer you like science and uh, and then from there, been an avid fan ever since. Um, I'm loved movies my whole life, and uh, so that's a good good background. But um, yeah, it's good to be here, and uh, good to see it on the other side. Well, thanks for being here with us, Christian. I, I now turn to you. You're the only one who hasn't had a chance to speak thus far. How how are you, my friend? Are you recovered from our Tom and Jerry same day review recording madness? I'm still editing that episode. Look, it, it'll, it'll, it'll get done today. Don't worry. Um, you know, I'm fine. I have been trying to teach my students for the past two months what a triangle is. So besides the fact that we're, um, yeah, you know, three sides. Three sides? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, that's where I'm at. Uh, but I, I didn't reveal this last week. I did get my first shot of the vaccine eh? hey, and hey. i'm scheduled to get my second shot in a couple of weeks so uh i guess in the world of health i, am I just want to say bad. that that's not fair because i have to teach students in person and i'm having so much trouble getting the vaccine so that's not fair <laughs> wow uh okay we'll, we'll start a letter writing campaign all fans of the cinema drip podcast please address the health department of emily's state Get Emily Wait, Baker vaccinated. Who's the governor 2K21. of Colorado? I don't remember right now. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Well, we're going to email the governor of Colorado, Emily, to get you a special Thanks, vaccine. I appreciate that. Blessed by him. <laughs> okay. you know? By the governor. Blessed by the governor. Thank you. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. So we'll get Braxton into Christian's classroom as an engineer to speak about triangles, and we'll start that grassroots campaign to get Emily Baker vaccinated. We'll, we'll discuss the details after the show here, but I am very excited to be on the show today because we have some great movies to talk about for our monthly streaming recommendations episode. Naturally, last month was February, so we're talking about rom-coms in March. We are here to talk about a few 2010s rom-coms and one 2021 rom-com that should be fun to discuss. So, as per usual, we each brought one movie to the table here that had, we had everybody else watch it and we're ready to give our thoughts on each of them. But before we get there, what's everybody's relationship to rom-coms? I know for some people, they grow up watching them. For some losers like me, they're like, rom-coms are for girls, and they don't realize they love rom-coms until later in life. So, Emily, what is your relationship to rom-coms? Are you an expert or a novice? Um, I wouldn't call myself an expert. When Christian asked me to do this, I was just kind of like, why? But um, I do, I do enjoy rom-coms, I would say, but whenever I was like Googling what is a rom-com really and truly? I was like, oh, like Clueless and 13 Going on 30, Easy A. Those almost aren't even movies I would call rom-coms, but those are movies that I love. I just see those more of like, it, it's almost less about the romance and more about, you know, the woman going out, doing her thing, figuring out her life. But I guess that's a rom-com. I disagree with that, but um there are rom-coms i really like someone forced me to watch to all the boys i've 
love before, or whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> Someone forced me to watch that. So, I, you know, stuff like that. Team rom-coms, 10 Things I Hate About You. I watched that before I watched all of your movies <laughs> because I love that one. So, yeah, it's a lot of, like, just teen rom-coms that I grew up with. Stuff from the 90s and 2000s is really, like, my main reference. But I decided to pick something new for our chat today. So, yeah. And, uh, well, I think, Emily, I, I have a little bit of an opposite uh, relationship with rom-coms. Uh, much like you, Scott, I uh, was raised on sports and explosions. So um, I did not get into rom-coms until much later in life. But always deep down, I loved the Disney princess movies. I loved uh, all the superheroes and their romantic subplots. Those were always great. And then... Uh, after involving in romances of my own, was opened up to the world of romance movies. And uh, I actually was not forced to watch To All the Boys I Love. I did that on my own, in my living room, in my bed. So yeah, I ever since uh, allowing myself to watch a lot of romances, started with the classics in the 90s, didn't, wasn't my cup of tea, um, the very one-dimensional kind of jerky um, male characters was not not my not my style but um, still whether it's uh, a romantic movie or any kind of movie just just love a good love story and um, the dewier the better you know I can agree on the dewier the better and I'm looking forward to discussing your pick Braxton because it made me uh, quite dewy and I was also watching it completely alone so <laughs> get uh, get to hear my thoughts on that Christian of course, my dear co-host, we can't leave you be here. Did you watch rom-coms growing up? Are you like Braxton and myself? Where are you at? It's not a rom-com, but the first movie that I ever saw that made me think about romance, very formative time in young Christian's life, was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. I, I, I maintain, I think that's one of the better ones. And I'm like, all in... It's like, are Harry and Ginny going to get together? You know what? Who cares? I, I like, sh let's, let's watch this. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. But it's past that. I mean, I saw 10 Things I Hate About You because of the, I don't know, the whole theater thing and the all prior Taming of the Shrew thing. But I, I wasn't, I have seen the odd rom-com here or there. I had not ever decided to go on like a rom-com binge except in college, especially junior and senior year, they became kind of like comfort food because the thing about rom-com is that you, you're not really gonna, and these are rom-coms. These are not romances. Rom-coms, you're not going to get like the death of one because they've been battling some huge disease and therefore one of them is left to wallow at the end or whatever weird demented romeo and juliet scenario you're getting you're like okay let's hang out with these characters let's hang out with these characters and see if they can get together they will get together and then let's kind of just enjoy life they they at times seem more like slice of life movies than anything else so you know i i'm a fan i'm i'm a fan and uh, I've, i i will say i do like the late 90s early 2000s rom-coms because they just didn't care like recently having seen She's the Man. Okay, incredibly problematic film. Incredibly problematic film. Probably, you know, not the best thing in the world. But but I was laughing a lot. I was, was laughing. Maybe I shouldn't be laughing. But it they're, they're at times just fun. I think you touched on something important there for rom-com fandom. Which is just that rom-coms are so comforting. Especially when they're done well. They're the kind of movie that you can just throw on, whether you are solo or watching with someone you love or watching with a whole room of people you love. They are easy movies to watch. They're often quotable, the comedy aspect of it, but they always get you to a place where you feel touched because of the rom aspect of the rom-com. They're so versatile and they have sneaked their way into different genres and they're just a beloved Hollywood movie archetype and so i'm excited to talk about some very good ones and maybe one that i'll have a hot take on here with you good people I, okay i have a, I have a yes. quick question just because i like bringing this movie up as many times on this podcast as possible it is silver linings playbook a rom-com confession time i've never seen <laughs> never it never seen it <laughs> oh all right 
Okay, we're going to move on. Scott, just start the episode. I don't even care anymore. Spectacular. <laughs> My entire life is just over. I, I would say it maybe leans more rom-drom than rom-com, but probably. Uh, you know. But, Sounds good. Yeah, there you go. So, Emily and Braxton, you have your homework. You can listen to a previous streaming recommendation episodes of ours to get our thoughts on Silver Lang's Playbook. But we now get to kick off with Braxton's choice. We're going to be going in chronological order, and his is from 2013, which is the earliest movie that we'll be mentioning today. So, Braxton, what movie did you or are you recommending for those listening along at home? So the movie I am recommending is by far my favorite rom-com. Not as much of a rom-com as a rom-drum at times, Scott, to use that terminology you said. But it is uh, 2013's About Time, uh, found, I believe, on Netflix. And uh, About Time follows the life of a young British lad named Tim, uh, played by Domino Gleeson, and he finds out from his father that he has the power to go back in time. And so other than that, it's your, your normal boy meets girl. Um, the leading lady is Mary, played by Rachel McAdams, and um, just a really wholesome story of this guy trying to find love in in uh, the world he lives in and quickly realizes some of the limitations of his powers and yeah and uh keeps um going from from when he first meets this lady to marriage and onward and uh covers all sorts of aspects of life whenever i recommend this to someone who is maybe not the biggest rom-com fan i always go to this one because of all of the different uh characters and layers that uh i find on watching this movie yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that draws me to this movie is um, it's not it's not your typical rom com. You know, you don't have the the same like grandiose meet cute of like running into someone, and you do have a sci fi element as well or a fantasy element. But um, it it goes deeper, not just into the relationship between Tim and Mary, but also into his family relationships, the relationships with his friends, and uh, really just um, an overall message in life. Uh, consequences of your actions and learning to live life to the fullest and no matter no matter what like living living your life um, with purpose and with joy taking care of the people uh, closest to you who here has seen this movie before not me emily and me watched it for the first time oh so for the about time virgins what was it like um i (laughs) I really hated Tim, honestly. I I did not like him. <laughs> I just wow. he gets on my nerves so much. He's just uh I I he I feel like <laughs> We're off to a great sorry, start. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just he keep like at, at the very beginning he's going back in time and I feel like he's like manipulating Mary in a lot of ways and I really hate that. Further on down, it's like not as bad and I like them as a couple, I do. But then the whole thing with his sister, oh man. I was like, mm. I get that it's his I yeah, get that it's wait, his child. I get wait, wait, it. Wait. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I hate him. Well, like how how much do we go into spoiler territory here? I guess is the question, but um, I I do I think you bring up a really good point because there are some scenes, uh, especially early on in the summer romance with the early girl, I believe uh, Charlotte, played by Margot Robbie, um, where that seems a little manipulative and some of the things he does. But I guess my my thought behind it is that that scene beforehand in the summer is just really important because it shows that like you the powers are not unlimited, you know, he can, um, he can go back in time, um, but he can't just change everything, you know, there are, there are consequences to your actions, and, and yeah, so, like, even though he, he meets this, he meets this girl, they have a great connection, and then, uh, things go on, and, like, um, he uses his powers to try and meet her again, like, uh, it does seem, it it is a little bit um manipulative but also i would say where this differs than some other 90s eras rom-coms is like sheer persistence doesn't work like the stalkery like uh you've got mail sort of stuff or other things like that like that's not that's not going to cut it like um he they actually 
were building on a genuine connection um, that was there, but because timey-wimey shenanigans didn't get a chance to to go. So I don't I don't know if that changes your perspective on on Tim Emily, but uh and maybe I just want to justify the main character in a movie I love, but uh those are some of my thoughts about about that. I think You've Got Mail is an interesting movie to bring up in relation to About Time cuz I just watched that for the first time as well and there is so much suspension of disbelief you have to do near the end of that movie. <laughs> Uh, in terms of how Tom Hanks is treating Meg Ryan. And I think in About Time, there are moments where, especially at the beginning of the romance, where Tim is experimenting with his powers, trying to woo Mary, where you sit there and just wonder, this is so creepy. How is she just going along with this? <laughs> but I I did find myself enjoying the whole movie quite a bit even if there were individual narrative choices that felt pretty weird in the moment I, I feel like it all worked and it all came together for me at the end so I, I I'm just gonna pose a question out there or maybe just a statement the the interesting thing about about time is that it kind of rejects the notion that soulmates exist and I think rom-coms are sometimes programmed to make us believe that the meet cute the entirety of the relationship as it builds from that there's only one person or however you want to view it with which you can have this adventure with but about time yeah uh, mary is not necessarily the one for tim like yeah they get along but it takes tim a couple of tries in order to make this happen and to make quote-unquote the perfect relationship happen any thoughts on that because it's it i i I will give this for tim tim never coerces mary into anything he just tries a lot and tries several different times he does kind of stop her from getting a boyfriend by using time however outside of uh Outside of that, which we'll call morally ambiguous, because if you never knew you would have had a boyfriend, it's still problematic. It's still wrong. (laughs) However, what what are what are our thoughts on the dissolution of soulmates? I mean, I would almost disagree with you because the whole point of this movie for Tim is that he's trying to go after this one person instead of like when he messes it up and he like keeps messing up and he realizes that like he's tricking her and doing all these wrong things that he doesn't just move on but instead he's so focused on this one relationship that he thinks is like the most important and is like gonna be the best and he keeps trying to make it work and he eventually he basically is creating the perfect relationship and so i think it's almost the opposite of what you said well I guess to push back on that a little bit is just this idea of when Tim chooses other relationships over Mary. Um, for example, his uh, when their initial meeting doesn't go the same way in a subsequent time because he wanted to help out um, his landlord, who is a family friend, um, and he wanted to help him out instead of pursuing this relationship. Um, I think like the overarching thing is to, I don't know, put the work in and value the relationships you do have, which I don't know how much that plays into the soulmate argument, but I think it definitely plays into the importance of like choosing your relationships carefully and valuing them and and, uh, bringing them into their fruition, no matter what um, circumstances life may throw at you. And that, that mindset that Tim learns as he chooses what to do and what not to do with this added level of time travel um, really forms the way their relationship starts out as like, okay, into something really beautiful by the end because of all the work he had to put in that they had to put in together to make a relationship that was not maybe perfect at the start into something very beautiful by the end of the movie. Uh, I can definitely see what you're saying there. I just like, whenever he made that decision, to go back in time to help uh is it his landlord i first family friend landlord yeah yeah. i first thought why didn't he go back in time and help him earlier to make the relationship better when he walks in and he's like you just ruined my perfect idea because i was immediately like oh just go back in time and just knock on the door later 
Um, and then I also just like, whenever he did that, he didn't seem to be thinking of Mary at all. And he was just so infatuated with her before. And the fact that he just completely forgets her just kind of made me think like, well, how much do you actually care about her if you're just like going to forget her to go help this other guy? I don't know. I do see your point of view. That's just like what was going through my head when all this was happening. For sure. For sure. And that makes sense. Yeah. What I think is interesting about, about time is that there's definitely two sides to the coin where I totally agree with some of the points about Tim being manipulative (laughs) and problematic. And I also think that uh, director and writer, Richard Curtis, who made movies like Notting Hill with very similar protagonists there uh, for the Hugh Grant character in terms of somewhat ineffectual, but of course, beautiful man trying to woo the woman. Um, What he's probably going for is just a, a, a movie-fied version of romance and answering the question, what if you could fix that thing you screwed up? What if you could be a better person and you could learn from your mistakes in ways that, of course, our humanity doesn't allow us? And if you are willing to suspend your disbelief and be a little charitable towards about time and accept some of the wonky aspects, I think you'll enjoy it. I do think that the criticism is fair against him. And there are multiple moments in this movie that I've seen people criticize. So it's, it's definitely something to be considering as you watch it. Uh, obviously we love to talk about movies and, and how they make us feel here on the cinema drip podcast. So it's good to think deeply about these things, but this is also a movie that I think Richard Curtis is uh, hoping to help you feel deeply. And there is a moment near the end of this movie it involves Tim and his father, I'll just say it at that, where I actually sobbed sitting alone in my apartment. Just <laughs> made me like make an audible noise and start weeping. And I received a phone call literally right at that moment and had to answer it crying. So <laughs> in terms of catching me in the feels, I think about time does that well. In terms of your feels, everybody else, did you cry? Did you not cry? Come on, am I the only one? I cried. I 100% cried. I will say the dad bit got me a little bit. Like, I I teared up for sure. (laughs) So I I wasn't completely just, like, cut off from this movie. I I did. I I had some feelings. (laughs) Yeah. And and I guess my my last bastion of defense is this movie is so much more than a romance. And I think that's why I enjoy it. Not necessarily because of Tim and Mary, but because of everybody else that goes into it as well, especially Bill Nye's character, the father. And I think as we look at some different twists on the rom-com formula, that's also something that makes About Time interesting, is that the romance is very key, but it's still more about Tim and what he learns as a person. So it's I would identify it as a rom-com, but it's not a movie that is purely about the romantic relationship. It's about everything that happens around that. Your relationships to others, your relationship to your family, living in the moment, like you said. So any final thoughts on about time before we move on to Christian's recommendation? Well, I I would just say that Mary is not the most, Mary's not the second most important character here. And that's what I think is interesting. I cared about the romance when I looked at it more as a character study on Tim and what Tim is going for. Now, also, uh, this is, I'm also kind of biased a little bit toward this movie or for this movie, because it is my roommate's favorite movie of ever. Like, he loved it when he showed it to me. And to this day, like, he loves showing this film to other people. And what he loves isn't, it's not just the scene at the end with the dad, but it's that understanding of how Tim eventually decides to use his time travel powers and what it means to have that and how this this movie is, like, split up into five different parts. Part of it is a wacky romance. Part of it is trying to get the girl next door when the girl next door is Margot Robbie. Part of this is the relationship with the dad. Part of this is him as a father. Part of this is a brother-sister flick. And all of those, I do think, are held together well by the time travel element and by the view of, you know, let's just appreciate these five different things. Let's appreciate these five different things. And sure, maybe the Rachel McAdams love story is given the most airtime out of all of those. But it's also said, let's appreciate it as much as we care about a person in our lives. 
All right. So again, About Time is available to stream on Netflix. Would love to know if you agree or disagree with some of our takes here. I, I've seen everything when I was reading some reviews of it online, so I'd be curious to hear other people's thoughts. Christian, we now move on to you. What are you bringing to the recommendation table? So this next movie I actually saw at a special screening at Northwestern, and it is the 2017 rom-com The Big Sick, which... <laughs> Well, it's written by Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani, and it stars Kumail Nanjiani, directed by Michael Showalter, sure, but it's also a story of Kumail's romance, how he met his wife, how he met her as he was an Uber driver in Chicago, and the subsequent coma that she got in, through which he began to develop even more feelings for her especially as he did not know who he should settle down with coming from a Pakistani family and marrying a non-Pakistani individual was very much frowned upon in his culture at that time. Uh, I loved it then. I love it now. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's an interesting take. It's an interesting take on what it means to not only love someone, but to feel that love from individuals it's one of the nicest views of someone getting along with their in-laws that you see in film. <laughs> and it's, I feel like there could have been so much wrong with you having the girl go into a coma in a rom-com and that being problematic for whatever nature happens. But it also presented, I think, Emily in a very humane way where you still found out about her past. You found out about her past, what she was like in high school, and she was not just someone who could love someone else, as she showed that she could love Kamal, but she was also someone who could experience deep love from him and from her parents. And so all of those different dimensions, On okay, look, this movie's funny. This movie's incredible maybe it helps that part of it is just that in in real life and in the movie he's a stand-up comic and and some of these jokes you know are not that best but they're funny because people treat them like they're not the best jokes and in it it's it, it was lovely it's it's just lovely <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say about it tear it apart the way that we do here well, let me be the first to say I will not be tearing it apart because The Big Sick is amazing. The second time I've seen it, I loved it the same uh, from the first time that I watched it. And I can say this is my favorite movie that we watched on this episode. So for those of you who feel like you are a bird, uh, <laughs> you're that second bird of a feather with me, then we're not going downhill too much, I promise. But I do love this movie. And in terms of twists on the formula, I love that this movie essentially becomes about a rom-com with the parents basically because emily as played by zoe kazan spends a significant portion of the movie i don't know if it's technically most of but a significant portion of the movie in the coma and during that time kamel is able to meet and bond with her parents and i love that twist on the formula and her mom is elastigirl yes holly hunter does play her mom <laughs> um but by you know mining their real life story changing up some of the details obviously for the movie version but minding their real life story and letting us in on how some of that went i i think that they made a truly incredible movie and again the kind of thing that we don't get to see very often in terms of rom-coms and small budgeted movies it was made for five million bucks and it made over 50 million and got nominated for an oscar so let's go the big sick more movies like the big sick emily and braxton what are your thoughts no i agree i i really like this movie and i think the fact that it's like based on their real life relationship makes it feel so much more real. Like I just noticed they're having the two main characters or well, can you call her main character if she's in a coma half the movie? I guess. Yes. But um, she, they have uh, all these like almost like nothing conversations that just feel so real to a relationship and they feel more like how you would actually talk to your significant other than something that is meant to like, develop a plot line and it just made me feel so connected to them and like these are real people in a real relationship going through real stuff so i really enjoyed that yeah and i think for me i have nothing bad to say about the big sick except for the first time i saw it i was going through a heart-wrenching breakup so it kind of hit me too much in the feels but nonetheless 
Um, I just love the dynamic uh, specifically with Camille and the two sets of parents. I think it's just such an interesting dichotomy of how Zoe's parents or Emily's parents were like so hesitant to embrace him at the time when they meet. And then they end up building this really close bond as they're like, it's kind of the three of them against this coma, um, like together. And then also that dichotomized with um, his relationship with his actual biological parents and their hopes and dreams. And then, and then seeing that all like come full circle at the end. I just loved watching um, those relationships continually being um, developed and, uh, and compared and, and um, seeing how that really brought out the qualities of the main character and, and see him grow over the course of this coma. Uh, I thought that that was one of one of my favorite parts. Obviously, the movie's really funny. Uh, it's written by a stand-up comedian who's made a name for himself in in TV and films. But um, I every time that um, they were on on scene with whether he was with the parents of Emily or his own parents, like all of those scenes just just hit me really hard, and and I love watching them. I would I I'm also curious because I know that we've we've brought them up but the parents are played by ray romano and holly hunter they're they're, they're great and it kind of if anyone else enjoyed we, well we've talked about how we've enjoyed their dynamics but it's specifically their performances holly hunter is i have not seen too many holly hunter movies and that is my own bad but oh my goodness, what the frick is she doing? She's incredible. She will lunge across a chair. She will randomly say an F you. And then at every other point, she kind of like shows very little emotion, but not because she doesn't care. It, and Ray Romano is... Oh man. Oh, love that man. Love that man in this movie. When he was telling the one guy at the bar who was like heckling Kumail, I've got levels. I, I, I couldn't, I had to, I had to lie down for a little bit. I had to stop. I'm like, what the frick is going on? Okay. But I, I digress. Keep y'all. What, what are your thoughts? I, I totally agree with all the love that's been shown so far. And one of my favorite parts about this, you know, we talked about Holly Hunter and Ray Romano. I also love getting to learn about the Pakistani American experience and see, see Kumail's family and, that is one of the most fascinating and richest parts of the big sick is just the deep, deep empathy with which Kumail portrays his own family as his character wrestles with, but obviously he probably wrestled with at the same time uh, during that period in his life, wrestling with the connection to his very traditional family who wanted him to be set up in an arranged marriage with someone that they found for him and his struggles to be an American and there's a line that he says to his parents at one point in the movie where he says something along the lines of, why did you bring me here if you didn't want me to, if you just wanted me to be a good Pakistani, basically. And it's conversations and explorations like that that don't normally happen in light, goofy rom-coms. And they walk the line so masterfully in this movie. There's so much more that we could say, but I, that just everything about him sharing his experience i think is one of the best parts about this movie that gives it legs it will help it age well because those are the kinds of stories that we need to continue to make space for in major hollywood movies and obviously still this movie was only given five million bucks but it was a big hit and i think that element of it camille's experience uh, especially as the child of immigrants um or i guess he was an immigrant himself proves also this movie premiered at sundance go sundance good movies from you one thing i really appreciated about this movie just thinking about it in comparison to something like set it up is that you don't have a lot of side characters who are this just there to be like a joke like even the girls who uh kumail's parents are trying to set him up with like we do eventually get some like real depth from them and what they're feeling when they start out as just like this funny thing that's like getting in the way and then it's like you get some real stuff from that later on and i really really appreciated that moment so, Christian, where can folks find The Big Sick? You can find it on Prime. Amazon acquired this and distributed it. And uh, what a beautiful thing. But it is currently available on Amazon Prime. Thanks to the good people over at Amazon for platforming stories like The Big Sick. Yeah, that small little That little company. tiny. I've heard it's a website company. Let's, let's hope the best for them. 
Emily alluded to it, and by alluded, I mean specifically mentioned it, so that's the wrong use of word. It wouldn't be an episode of Cinema Drip if I didn't use a word incorrectly. But Emily mentioned another little rom-com that I now get to recommend here, as it is my turn. And I am recommending 2018's Set It Up, which is a Netflix original. So Set It Up stars Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch as the two beleaguered assistants of a finance exec or venture capitalist, excuse me, and sports reporter, entrepreneur, respectively. They, upon meeting each other and realizing that they are both overworked and a little abused, make a plan to set their bosses up in a romantic relationship to try to earn themselves some free time and get their lives back. So Set It Up is a movie that... I watched when it first came out because I heard really good things and everybody was proclaiming it as the return of the classic rom-com and I wanted to check it out for myself with my wife who I think we were still just dating at the time and I really really enjoyed it. It is a probably the most classic rom-com that we'll be discussing on this episode in that it is two young beautiful white people falling in love with each other but I am a person who is growing to love rom-coms more and more, and especially as it plays on the formula, almost beat by beat at times, it just makes me feel all warm and cuddly and cozy on the inside. I like it a lot. And rewatching it, again, by myself this time, gave me the same cozy feelings. It was nice to just be snuggled up with my dog, have some popcorn, and watch Set It Up. So now I turn it to you, everyone. What were your thoughts on Set It Up? I need someone else to go first. Well, I think, Scott, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It is formulaic to a T. Um, the guy is focused on money and getting like a, a really good job out of this internship. And then the girl wants to follow her dreams to become a writer. And he's a bit rough around the edges and superficial. And then they're brought together by trying to ironically set up their their bosses and... Um, and yeah, I I loved I loved the take on the formula. Um, I think I think the biggest thing that I really enjoyed was how the formula played out more for their bosses, and then the way that they kind of twisted it at the end to not be exactly what you would expect from a classic rom com. But but yeah, I uh, I think I harped on them on them a little bit earlier the classic rom com formula but uh I think this one was just different enough for for me to really get got in the feels and um and enjoy it as well. Um so those are my initial thoughts on set it up. I there are a lot of things I really enjoyed about this movie. For one, uh Zoe Deutsch, is that how you say her name? Anybody? No. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, I have seen her in other things and I always really love her, but I just thought she really shined in this film personally. She's just, she was like the best part of the relationship for me. The guy, he's fine, but honestly, to me, kind of a cardboard cutout. She is just yep. something different. She, I feel like she is almost like that immature guy character you would normally get in the rom-com. But she doesn't fall into, like, all those same tropes. Like, she's still driven, and there's a lot she wants to do. But, you know, she is kind of afraid to grow up, and she just wants to have fun. And she just, like, she really shined in this movie for me. But then, you know, there's also a lot of problems with this movie. Like, I was talking about with a lot of characters just being there for jokes, and most of them being the people of color. Like, you may have noticed anyone who is some sort of minority character is a supporting character and then you have your two white people at the center so that was just really really apparent in this movie even though like i really liked the relationship it's just everything happening around them is like mm, really you had to make that character that and do the mm, like maybe think about that again give it a give it one more go i do think they made good casting choices for tay Diggs as the guy's boss and lucy Liu as the gal's boss because if it would have just been four white people at the center, it definitely would have would have felt a little confusing. And we're making this movie in 2018. We've had this conversation about rom-coms. Can we please diversify? So while our two leads are still white and it's very much a white people falling in love rom-com, I'm glad there is at least a little more diversity than previous eras of rom-coms. And I am a white guy. A splash of color. I am a straight white guy. So I'm not the, uh, the best authority on diversity in film. But that is a, an aspect of it that I do appreciate. It's... But it is still worth noting uh, there are not many 
characters of color and the ones that are there are sometimes there for jokes like titus burgess playing creepy tim a very funny performance but yeah. <laughs> creepy as tim soon as is that creepy. happened i was just like oh man why did you really you had to put him in that role like he couldn't just be pete davidson is there and his character is gay and also just there for us to laugh at his that's antics that's true but i i also actually really enjoyed pete davidson being there but i mean he's pete davidson so i guess that's probably why he is he's very uh, a very fratty gay guy true yeah he's just being pete davidson <laughs> if everything about pete davidson was the same except he was gay except yeah. he's yeah, gay that's it. yep <laughs> Christian, we haven't heard your thoughts in general yet, so anything you want to particularly add? Oh, man. So what if we, like, take these two main characters and put them aside and then grab other two people and put them here and then we redo the So movie. you don't like Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell. Is that what you're saying? Okay. I'm sure they're nice humans. I'm not sure. You could be nice humans, but I did not care about them at all. Like, I really didn't care about this relationship because I kept telling, I kept, I kept saying out loud as I was watching this movie, dang, are they going to end up together? Because according to the laws of film and romance, nothing is different <laughs> from what I expect. Oh, so are they going to realize that by setting their bosses to fall in love, they're going to fall in love with each other? Oh, wow, they are. Aw, that's nothing new. So it, it I, I could not care about them. I did not particularly think their chemistry was there. I thought that we, 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 we needed something more. Honestly, if we had spent more time on the bosses, sure. The movie was funny at times. Like, remember the entire um, argument that happens while they're buying the ring and then like right after the argument the camp well the movie cuts to an image of like the ring seller and she's just like oh crap and then it cuts back to them okay that i know i was laughing i was laughing a lot at that scene but i'm not sure if i was laughing with the movie or at the movie and i think most times i was just laughing at how ridiculous it was no, I didn't, you know, really need anything anything from them. And even though it was enjoyable at times, I can't say it moved me in any way. Uh, am I happy I watched it? Uh, you know, I watched it and uh, I had some ice cream. The ice cream was like half uh, vanilla and half this nice little chocolate thing. Uh, and so I was able to like kind of scoop both of those. So I'm going to cut you off now when you talk about your ice cream, Christian. <laughs> I'm personally, personally offended at the at the Glenn Powell slander that I'm having to endure on this podcast episode. I have purchased my stock in Glenn Powell, and when Top Gun Maverick comes out and he is a movie star, I will be vindicated. Uh, and also, as as the uh, cinematic doctor here, prescribe each of you to watch the movie Everybody Wants Some, directed by Richard Linklater, which is fabulous, and he is a major part of why. So Glenn Powell is the man. I like him. And of all the milk toast white boy rom-com actors, he is he is near the top in terms of milk toast. Isn't Zoe Deutsch also in that film? Everybody Wants Some. I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of her, but not because I dislike her. It's because I haven't seen enough of her movies. But she is someone who... This is my favorite performance of hers. Emily, I totally agree with what you said. She is so warm and winning and enjoyable to watch while also being a full character. And so, Christian, I'm sad that you couldn't connect with our people here because I think they're quite good. And their chemistry is very much there for me. And so I'm sad that it didn't connect for you. Though, as I've learned over the course of this podcast, you are entitled to your opinion or whatever. Any final thoughts on Set It Up, folks? No, so our last movie. <laughs> oh my uh, god, Emily! Wow, what if I had something to say? What if I had had? Something say it. To say? Well, Speak you can on say it, Emily. something about I your own say... movie. The map of tiny oh perfect god. things. <laughs> okay, fine. Guess I'm done with set it up. It's okay. I had a whole list of notes, but you know, I'll just. I I'll came just keep in here. I came into this podcast, spoke so glowingly of the big sick. I told Christian, I was so excited that he picked it for us. I was delighted to speak on it with him. 
And now he's cutting off the discussion of my recommendation. The nerve, Christian. The nerve. I don't know. You might want to find a new podcast host. That I don't know. Maybe. Emily and Braxton, see me. See me after this. We might have to <laughs> spin off here. <laughs> I'm the one with all the passwords and codes. I don't know what you're We're starting do. the <laughs> Cinema Drop podcast. No, all right, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, we will now turn it to you. We get to hear our fourth and final recommendation, courtesy of you. So you have the newest movie to recommend. Now I'll give you a chance here to speak on it. Yes. So the map of Tiny Perfect Things, which came out this year, very recently, um, directed by Ian Samuels and written by Lev Grossman. Grossman? Grossman? Um, it's also based on a short story that he wrote from 2016. I haven't read it, but now that I know about it, I want to. So this movie stars Catherine Newton and Kyle Allen. So Kyle Allen plays Mark. He is a teenage boy stuck in a time loop, and he just wants to find love. He thinks this has all got to mean something. So, you know, he's out there trying to trying to find love. And then he meets Margaret, and he is he's so intrigued by her. And whenever she just starts, you know, putting him down all the time she's showing him up and he's like dang this girl is so cool but there's something about her that she just she's holding her guard up she doesn't want to get involved with him and so we just got to go through this time loop until they can figure it out pretty much so the main reason I watched this movie is because it stars Catherine Newton Um, I don't really go for a lot of random rom-coms that show up on Amazon and Netflix Uh, I hadn't seen any of your picks uh, for this so but Catherine Newton, I know her from Supernatural, so that's why I was like, all right, let me just try out this movie, see if I like it for the podcast. And honestly, I, I really, really loved it. I think it's just, it's the perfect, like, teen rom-com. And that's really, like, my favorite kind of rom-com is really centered around teens. It's just what I enjoy watching. And I just, this movie, the plot of it being this, like, you know, Groundhog Day type situation, uh, it it makes it so that they can just do all the really cool, fun stuff that you always wanted to do as a teen, like ride your bike through your high school or, uh, I don't know. They do, there's just so many fun things in this movie that they do that I'm like, ugh, I would have loved, like, this is just, it's such a perfect teen movie and I love it. And it also just feels so real to me. Like, we get so much development from both of these characters and, the way that they interact with each other just feels really, really real. So I I just fell in love with it, which I was kind of surprised at how much I love this movie as being someone who's not super big on rom-coms all the time. But Scott, I heard that you were going to have a hot take and uh, I'm not prepared, but tell me anyway, please destroy this movie that I just found out I loved. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry, especially after Christian came in with with lukewarm words for my pick. Now I feel bad, but I, I think they were pretty <laughs> spicy words. But I know I I. It's always funny when we have these recommendations episodes because it's fun to try out a bunch of movies. And usually, when I'm watching something recommended to me by a co-host of this podcast, I'm hoping for the best. This is actually I hadn't seen About Time before this, so I really went for About Time and then just did not go as much for the map of tiny perfect things. I think part of it is it's very similar to Palm Springs, which came out last year, and it was a time loop rom-com, and it's very different. This is more of a teen movie rom-com, kind of when you throw all the, the genres together, it's different. So it's not to say this is just the worst version of that, but I did prefer Palm Springs to this. And I think part of it, and here I now here I am, of course, talking about my Glenn Powell stock. I just didn't like Kyle Allen as the main the main fella. He was not super interesting to me. And Catherine Newton is a very talented uh, actress who has been very prolific in her in her short life. She's early 20s, but she's already been in many movies, a lot of TV series as well. She is is great and is going places, I think. And so at, there were just times where she was kind of outclassing him. And you always want your actors in rom-coms to be on equal footing. And so... I really like her. I have nothing bad to say to Catherine Newton, but I, I just wasn't a fan of Kyle Allen and this didn't really go for this movie as a whole. But I will say when it, it, it shifts perspectives at one point to focus more on her character's perspective and what she's been doing in the time loop. And that part of the movie is much better 
in my opinion. I like the part that focuses on her. So I, I didn't hate this movie. I didn't strongly dislike it even. I just was sort of meh on it. Uh, but I did like Catherine Newton. That's a fair take. I thought you were going to call it hot garbage or something. So no, I, I, <laughs> I respect your take. Well, I think I think uh, what I what I'm thinking about for for this movie and, and Scott, you kind of alluded to is um just uh you know the ground you it's it's a Groundhog Day movie. There's a time loop. Like when Groundhog Day first came out, that was like never been done before. Now we can probably count like thirty different instances in TV or movies where we've seen a Groundhog Day loop. And what I really appreciated is, and I haven't seen Palm Springs. I don't know how similar it is to that in this regard, but. Um, I just really appreciated the the twist in the loop um, that we see at, at the turning point Scott mentioned. And, and I thought that that made the movie, for me, um, from like a meh story to like, okay, now this is getting somewhere. And, and, um, and like Scott was saying, allowed uh, Catherine Newton to really shine. And uh, that was the moment when I uh, started really like paying attention and... and um, got got more into it and uh, started to enjoy the story a lot better. So I think um, as it develops um, and you get to see more and learn more about uh, the characters and, and see where the where the film is actually headed, um, I think that's when it really starts to shine and you see you see uh, the best parts of this film. I enjoyed our two main characters. I thought that they were real. I thought that we could look at the depths and complexities that they have even in their small relationships with other people. Honestly, to have a film where because you're repeating everything, it, we, we, to have a time loop film and to have them look for the moments that bring them joy that they can find throughout it, I'm like, that's that's joy right there. That's one of the most heartwarming things I've seen in a premise in such a long time. And then ultimately to understand where it is that their hearts are when seeing why they need this joy in their lives and seeing how it relates to both of them. It's kind of awesome. It, it, it's kind of warm and has to, and delves a lot, I think, into rom-coms are more than just, you know, you meet up and you fall in love and you go into an adventure, but you're meeting up and you have a past history that you need to deal with as you move forward and that goes on this adventure with you. I will be permanently offended that Christian liked Kyle Allen in the map of Tiny Perfect Things more than Glenn Powell and oh. set it up. I'm <laughs> okay. deeply hurt, Christian. Gonna be honest, he's shined more than Glenn Powell to me too. Sorry to tell you. Well, but I guess it's just me and Braxton spinning off. can't prove me wrong in another movie. However... I mean, the only thing about this film, the whole kind of, um, I, I, I don't want to spoil it. The whole kind of big cube thing, that's what I'll call it, was stupid. <gasps> I'm sorry. No! No! <laughs> was, okay. Was, no! I was so dumb. I'm like, why am I watching this? Who wrote this? Lev Grossman wrote Lev, this. Lev Grossman no. also wrote The Magicians, and The Magicians is a great thing that got adapted into a wonderful sci-fi show. Outside of that, what the actual F, man? What? Why? 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 Okay. I'm going to defend it because Do I it. really liked that part. I think it's... So we've talked about like Palm, Screen, Palm Springs being like a very similar movie that came out recently. But the thing about this movie is that you have with Margaret that connection to like why this is all happening whereas in palm springs it's just like sci-fi stuff because but in this it's like margaret has this connection to this idea of this cube and with all the things that are going on with her and it just makes so much sense to me that we like go through what we go through and like <sighs> trying not to spoil it but like where she gets to with that cube at a certain point and the way that she talked about it prior to that point in the movie it's just like she's finding this connection that she's always been looking for and seeing this thing that she's always wanted to see. And it, it was just so much more meaningful than we walked into a cave and went time traveling. Have you guys seen Interstellar? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, I like Interstellar. I hate the cube in Interstellar also. And it's not just that it's a cube. 
Do you it's hate cubes? Link. I think is what we're getting at here. You hate cubes. Well, I've been working with triangles for the past two months, so I hate triangles <laughs> right now. And However, we've come full circle. Uh, it, Don't bring in any more shapes, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> when when you are dealing with when you are dealing with the power of love, quote unquote, whatever that means, I don't want you to explain it to me. I want to be able to feel it. Interstellar did not do that. That's my main criticism with Interstellar. Map of Tiny Perfect Things, I also think, failed to do that. It was trying to scientify <laughs> what love indicated. And in that, it actually broke my connection to them and to what they're going on and, and to their romance and to what they have and to their history. It's... If it had gone for a Palm Springs-esque thing, and what I love about that film is that they, they were never like, oh, it's love. It's it, it's something supernatural. No, it's a physics anomaly. We're not going to explain too much of it, but this is what is, is kind of going on. You need to pick what it is. Is it magic or is it science? And you cannot mix the two. Otherwise, I get not lost in terms of the plot, but will lose my connection with someone. All right, that's just where we differ. I love my science to be pretty magical, I guess. So can't meet you halfway and there. And see, see, I I liked the way that they explained the time loop because, like I said, it is more connected to Catherine Newton's character, and I enjoyed her more than Kyle Allen's character. So every time loop has to be explained somehow, and this one wasn't so bad in my book. Any final thoughts on the map of tiny perfect things? Everyone, go watch it. It's great. <laughs> and once again, it is available where. It is on Amazon Prime. And hey, we, we mentioned movies that I think are hot garbage. If you're looking for an Amazon Prime teen rom drom that I think is hot garbage, you can watch Chemical Hearts. Chemical Hearts is so bad and replete with unintentional comedy. The only thing good about it is Lily Reinhardt trying. Everything else about it is a trash fire. So hey, there you go. There's one bonus. So bad it might be good, but it's actually not. Re- recommendation for me. Is that even a recommendation? I don't know. I'm going to... Let's let's move on. So, Scott, what do we have going on next week? Well, next week, Braxton and I are spinning off into the Cinema Drop podcast. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm just kidding. But, Braxton, hopefully we can see you soon. But next week, we're kicking off our blend of the month for March 2021. And Christian and I have a fun little game that we're playing together. We have enjoyed getting to pick themes and curate them for each other. But now... We are alternating who picks the theme and who curates the movies here. So, Christian, I actually will turn it to you because you picked the theme and I get to curate this blend of the month. So first, why don't you go ahead and tell us the theme and why you picked it? I picked unreliable narrators. Now, part of this is wrong of me to do because you go into the film and you automatically know that there's an unreliable narrator. But I think the game is afoot. How do we know that they're unreliable and how unreliable they can be? And I don't know what spurred this on. I think it was a recent movie. Oh, what was it? I watched Annie Hall, I think, a week and a half ago. It was fine. It it was fine. But hearing um, the, the amount of voiceover and control that the main character had made me think that I know that there are other films where they specifically want to take you in a direction. But are we supposed to actually be going in the direction they want us to go to? And I thought it would be nice to kind of explore how filmmakers, how directors and screenwriters treat this as we move forward. And boy, am I excited to move forward because there are some extremely enjoyable movies that have used the unreliable narrator trope. And so we will be looking at a movie with one of the most famous twists of the 90s. And if you don't know it yet, don't look it up now because you'll get to watch it with us next week as we discuss The Usual Suspects, which unfortunately is not streaming anywhere, but it is rentable pretty much anywhere you can rent movies. And hey, if your library is open or offering takeaway borrowing, then maybe check it out from the library as well. So a big thank you to Emily and Braxton for joining us on this rom-com recommendations episode. Do either of you have anything to plug while you're here? We definitely love to get you a little more shine. If you have any projects or just social media accounts or anything that you got going on. Uh, yeah. So I am 
Quant Emily on Instagram, Q-U-A-N-T Emily. And then I also have a YouTube channel, Emily K. Baker. And that is me. And uh, I think I am mostly a social media ghost. Um, I don't think I know my Instagram handle. Um, in terms of plugging things in, that is most of my job every day. So I don't know if I want to do any more of that at this evening time. All right, folks, uh, find find Braxton's Instagram, although there won't be any content. You can say you found it. Uh, even he doesn't know where it is. But seriously, you two, thank you so much for being here. It's always a blast to have some guests on and get to learn about some of y'all's favorite movies. So thank you, Emily, for coming back and Braxton for joining us for the first time. Hopefully we'll see you both very soon. So, as per usual, now we get to wrap up the show by saying thank you if you have reached this point in the episode. It sincerely means a lot to us that you're sticking around to hear us talk about movies, so thank you so very much. There are a few things that you can do to support the show aside from lending us your ears, but you can leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps us grow there. And feel free to share episodes as you find them from different podcatchers like Spotify as well. You can also follow christian and myself on a variety of social medias you can follow the show on twitter where we tweet about upcoming episodes and when the new episodes drop or follow christian and myself on letterboxd where we post about the movies that we are watching and reviewing and rating and so on emily and braxton are either of you on letterboxd not in a way that matters (laughs) i learned about letterboxd through this podcast hey I'm doing the good word and sharing the gospel of Letterboxd. Maybe uh, one day you two will be active Letterboxd fanatics like me. Lastly, of course, you can drop us a line at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Braxton sent us an email a little while ago, had his thoughts featured on the podcast, and now he himself is featuring on the podcast. So you never know where these things can go. But we sincerely... We sincerely appreciate your feedback if you wouldn't mind offering it to us. And we'd love to consider your thoughts for future episodes of the show. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks at home? That ice cream was good. And aren't (laughs) we glad to hear it? Fire him right now. Oh, my. Christian, we can have a discussion about the um, continued employment of this podcast. I do significantly less than you, so I'm not going to fire you. (laughs) I am grateful for your efforts. So, as always, I'm Scott, he's Christian, not like always, she's Emily, and he's Braxton, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.